Mazara and Mara project to Amiwara Herrera, Cabrera, don't let the bandits scare ya Machado or Bado or no everybody relax kick up your feet put your tiva sandals on get get yourself on kokomo beach for this episode of fantasy baseball today scott white and adam azer here what's up scott oh i'm good i'm good <laughs> here in my that. tiva sandals yeah i'm uh, feeling good tivas are really a fashion tragedy my i'm looking at them right now i think i had them no i don't think i did I hope nobody who works at Tiva is listening to this right now. So we've got our favorite two-star pitchers for next week. Not very good. Not very good. Uh, the list of available guys are scary. Some tough, tough matchups in there. And we've got everything from yesterday. A lot of aces on the mound. I mean, Chris Sale, Aaron Nola, Cindergard, Bumgarner, whether they're aces now or aces before, whether they're just their team's aces, Bauer, Strasburg, Domingo Herman. Everybody on the mound last night, it was crazy, and some really good pitching performances. Um, the drop-o-meter, we got the drop-o-meter and the most added list, just to give you a little contrast. Let's start with our favorite two-star pitchers for next week, Scott. Is there anyone owned in less no. than 70? Right? Nobody. <laughs> 70%. Yeah, there. I, I think there's going to be a decent number of two-star pitchers overall, but uh, if you're putting the cutoff as 70%, even if you're putting it 80%, uh, not, not something you're going to get excited about. I think your boy Danny Duffy might be my favorite. He oh. has a matchup versus Cleveland the second time. Is that a good matchup, though? Because like, well, yeah, they're I winning mean, a ton of games. It's a good point. He's facing I mean, Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Um, and then at Atlanta the first time. But, I mean, it's probably the best you're going to do among... If if you're playing the waiver wire, which I, probably means you shouldn't play the waiver wire, you probably have yeah good enough pitchers to fill out your pitching staff. But I, I think Trevor Richards, Scott, it could be okay, uh, okay, because that's like all he is is okay at I Chicago mean, and home against Arizona, at the White Sox. He hasn't had a me. good start in over a month. That's true. Unless you count five and two thirds. I guess he had one five and two thirds innings, one earned run, eight strikeouts, four walks, three BBs. That was. June hey, 19. wait, time so out. It, a time month out. ago, he had a good start. What is this BBs thing? Why do you keep saying BBs instead of walks? I, I don't know. Stop. People I, know what I mean. Yeah, but why? it's so weird. It's like it started last week. I've been doing the show with you for 11 years. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess I think it sounds cool. It sounds it like uh, baseball lingo. <laughs> Look at those BBs. It's, it's just one thing. That, that's one thing that... There's so much baseball lingo, you know, but BBs I just don't think is really caught on. I think we should keep it that way. All right, so two-star pitchers. <laughs> Look, maybe Chris Archer is available. He's 82% owned. He's got the Cardinals and at the Mets. That one's not bad. Sabathia's been pitching well, but at Minnesota, at Boston, no way. Daniel Ponce de Leon at Pittsburgh, home against Houston, no. What about Chase Anderson against the against the Reds and Cubs? Uh, I, no. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Okay, well, good luck to you all. You There are seem to be a lot of games next week, so you probably have two-star pitchers that are better than I mean, maybe CeCe Sabathia, just because he's been pitching so well lately. Like, the matchups aren't good. Terrible. Twins and Red Sox, but, you know, he's shut down the Red so- the Rays in three of his past four starts, so I don't know. The Rays, don't love it. The Rays are no Twins and Red Sox, and I'll tell you, uh, I wanted to. I'm so excited for next week for Domingo Ramon. Domingo Ramon is has those same matchups at Minnesota and at Boston. Although he probably doesn't, because sometimes doubleheaders throw up our throw throw off our our matchups. I don't know if he's going to make two starts or just one. But Domingo Ramon has had like basically the easiest schedule of all time. And next week I think he might he, have, I think he's going to make two. Okay, next week he's going to have two. Tough matchups. We'll see how he comes out of it. Maybe we'll learn a little bit more about him after next week. Uh, okay, here's a category. Is he really a buy low? And it's all about Matt Boyd. Matt Boyd was another one of those aces who pitches who pitched last night. 
And yeah, six innings, no walks, eight strikeouts, five earned runs, two home runs. That's Matt Boyd for you. Lately, his last eight starts now, it's just it's 14 home runs. It's an ERA over six, one win. And now, like, it's just can he solve this home run problem? Everything else is fine. But can we trust Matt Boyd now, who gets one start against Philadelphia next week? Do you still think he's a buy low? One of my uh, one of the things I've changed in my approach to pitchers in this environment of 2019, with all of the home runs being hit, is that while we have historically viewed the surrendering surrendering home runs uh, of home runs as a skill for pitchers, and I'm not saying it's not at all, but it's it's less that now than an occupational hazard. Like every pitcher is susceptible to stretches like this where they just get pummeled by home runs. And some of it was expected. Boyd was overperforming in that way early in the year, but it's been like it's been regression and beyond here of late. And I mean, you don't have to look beyond like the XFIP and the Sierra to see it. XFIP is 336, Sierra is 321. Heading into yesterday's game, he was fifth in the majors in strikeout-to-walk ratio. He was top 12 in both of those categories individually, strikeout rate, walk rate. And, uh, I mean, he, he obviously performed well in that regard, too. So, yeah, I think he's even more of a buy-low today coming off a five-run start than he was before. So my—when you, you, know, you do this job, you have to learn from your mistakes. So follow along here. My concern about Matt Boyd has been a concern I've had about other pitchers that are breaking ball dependent and don't really necessarily have a good fastball or a lot of velocity. And— what I just noticed about Boyd is that his velocity is actually up. So he's throwing like 90, he's averaging like 93 miles per hour on his fastball. Still, you know, it's his slider that's going to be his bread and butter. But I've had these same concerns with Patrick Corbin last year, who had a little bit of a home run spell, and Clayton Kershaw this year. And I thought, you know, these guys, like their breaking pitches are really good, but their fastballs aren't good enough. They're going to give up a lot of home runs. I was wrong about both of them. So... It's this, unfortunately for Boyd, this is a longer streak, and he has no track record. His track record's bad. Yeah. But I don't want to like, – I, I want to learn from my mistakes on that and think this is definitely the right time to be buying low on that. Boyd, would you still trade Chris Paddock for Boyd? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, just look at that. 12K per nine. I know. How but many the, starting the pitchers do that? 1.8 BB per nine. How many Walks. starting pitchers do Walks. that? They're both <laughs> – it's so weird. Yeah, no, I, I know, I know. But, God, but 21 home runs <laughs> in 120 innings now and 14 in his last eight starts. Okay. I'm not doing it on purpose. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. I don't, I don't know what happened. All right, listen, we got big golf tournament this week. Make sure you're listening to the First Cut podcast. And we got CBS Sports HQ this week. We're on there talking fantasy baseball from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern. It's the only way to watch it is watching it live. 3 to 6 on CBS Sports HQ. Download the CBS Sports app and start streaming HQ. You can watch it right in your living room on your Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire, Smart TV, whatever it is. Download the CBS Sports app and watch HQ 24-7 streaming sports coverage. You know what I think it is, actually? You Uh know what I think it is? Why I keep doing it? I've changed the way I write it most of the time. Usually I go with K slash 9, BB slash 9 now, when before I was spelling it out, walks per 9 strikeouts per nine because i said k i said k per nine too yeah but that's like I, that's normal like a lot of people say k per nine like i i recalibrated my brain because i wanted to start writing it differently and now i'm saying it differently too it's weird i'm i gotta work on a twitter poll here about this all right let's see the best way to phrase it i'm gonna try to phrase it while i throw this quote out at you i, I was reading this in the ap recap of the oakland game uh, it was about Mike Fires. Th- this is what derailed Mike Fires in, I think, the seventh inning. Fires threw only 89 pitches, but the heat factored into manager Bob Melvin's decision to remove him. Fires also had the misfortune of glancing at the scoreboard and seeing Kyle Gibson's pitch count of 106, mistakenly believing it was his pitch count. Quote, mentally, it crushed me, Fires said. What? <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> That's weird. He saw the wrong pitch count. He thought he was up to 106 pitches. He was only at 89. 
He saw Kyle Gibson's pitch count, and mentally that crushed him. I can't believe that, Mike Fires. I can't believe that. What I don't even know what he means, but like, was he disappointed because he knew he was going to have to be removed soon, or was he like, oh my goodness, I've already thrown 106 pitches. Get me out of here. Like, yeah. Uh, exactly. Um, I, I don't know. That's But that's a weird... That's weird. Yeah, I know. I, everything about Mike Fires is weird, so... <laughs> He's in our category of pitchers who we don't think are good but are playing well. Um, all right, I want to read an email here. It's an interesting one. It's from Paul. Uh, email of the day. is says, Dear Fuchs, Goron, Noho Hank, and Gene. So this is the show. I have no idea. Yeah, this, I, I, I had to look it up, but then I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen it. This is the show Barry on Showtime. Okay. Which right. uh, I thought season one was good. Not great, but good. Okay. Here's the email from Paul. Rest assured, this is not Goose Gossage or some other old man shouting at the clouds about analytics. There is undoubtedly a place for them in the modern game, and they often provide valuable insight. However, sometimes the slobbery love affair with analytics goes a little too far. Case in point, Scott's argument that the 361 XFIP of Herman Marquez is more important than his bloated 521 ERA. I'm sure every fantasy owner with XFIP as a category is overjoyed by this, but all of the leagues I've ever been affiliated with count ERA instead. Sometimes analysts need to look up from their keyboards once in a while and notice there are actual fields with actual players giving a, uh, playing actual games and that a 521 ERA is likely going to torture chances of winning that category for the week. Sometimes what actually happens is more important than what should be happening or likely to happen going forward. And please stop claiming that a five-inning start giving up only three or four runs is a good start. An ERA of 540 or 720 sucks. Love the show. Thanks for letting me vent. Okay, well, a couple things here from Paul. Um, I, I feel like we're discussing different things. But then he addressed it later in the email, so I, I, I don't know. I was kind of confused by his point. But no, 521 ERA for the season is not good. Um, it's been mostly recent, but Herman Marquez has kind of torched his season here recently. The reason we emphasize XFIP is because what has happened isn't nearly as important as what's going to happen from our perspective, right? Right. Like if we're looking at this in a historic way, uh, you know, it, if the season ended today, Herman Marquez has those numbers. We're looking back on it historically. Okay, Herman Marquez didn't have a good season, but that's not how we're looking at it. We're looking at what can Herman Marquez do for you going forward, and I think XFIP is clearly more valuable in that regard. Uh, the other point he brought up is it though? <laughs> because like, yeah, if, if XFIP is. were so valuable, then like we weren't talking about Sierra five years ago. Because we're be... talking about other things that feed into it, like it's 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 made for a shortcut. Um, and I, you know, for a long time, I didn't give it enough credence. I I took the hard route of okay, looking at all these individual contributions he's making. When it it all gets summed up no so nicely in XFIP, and I've you know I've seen it play out that way often enough that I'm I'm fully on board with it. I mean, have you ever really heard me cite XFIP ever on this podcast before this year? No. Like it, 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 do you think uh, you're, do you think it's been better for you? Yeah, definitely. Okay, definitely. I, um, see, the thing is, like, we talk. We want to. We want to find predictive stats. I get it. I, I feel like ERA is a predictive stat in in a, in a sense. I mean, the way a guy is pitching right now should be somewhat of an indicator of how he's going to pitch going forward. It's it's <laughs> right. <laughs> No, it's it's like we. All right, how am I going to explain this? Uh, it used to be the best we have, but it's not very good because what goes into providing a pitcher with that ERA is more important than the ERA itself. Like, well, yeah, yeah, but I'm not convinced that XFIP or Sierra really account for everything that we need. I don't think it. I mean, there's no way it could, right? I mean, it's just there's too much that goes into it. it. If we could sit around and watch every baseball game, we'd have a much better idea. But we can't, so we have to take shortcuts and we use advanced stats. Like, uh, so I, I'm sort of in in uh, these in Paul's camp. I'm getting a little tired of all the advanced stats. However, I will say this: when I'm not on the show, or even when I am, but mostly when I'm not on the show and I'm listening to analysis and they're talking about a pitcher, 
e- I might roll my eyes at it, but I do want to know what his XFIP is. I do want to know what his Sierra is. Because, like, even I, who I'm not huge on advanced stats, even I can acknowledge that they are important. I just don't want to be completely beholden to them. And I, I've gone back and, you know, I've looked at, like, years where guys have had a better ERA than FIP by, like, a lot or a worse. It doesn't tell me anything about the next year. Like, it, it, you know, there's, there's not a consistent track record, in my opinion, of pitchers, like, performing in 2015 what their ex-FIP was in 2014. I just, I think it's kind of crap a little bit. Um, it's important. I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. Well, what about Trevor Williams this year? Well, I, well, I think example. Trevor Williams was really good before he went on the IL. So how do we know he's not just still rusty or still hurt or something like that? Like, he was keeping it up. He was blowing that theory out of the water. I mean, what about... They're always going to be what about What about the other end of the spectrum? And uh, They're the always way... going to be the, you know, the whatabouts, right? I mean, there's always going to be exceptions. It's really hard. Yeah, You're never going to find a perfect system. Let's just establish that right now. How, like, <laughs> I, I feel like... It's rare to see more than a half a run difference between ERA and XFIP over a full season. Um, and I'm not, I'm not nearly as researched. As, I'm sure other people who are even more, more, uh, um, I can't think of the word, more in tune with XFIP uh, than me could, could point to better examples, better, give a better, broader um, feel for the whole thing. But, yeah. Like it's it's rare to see more than half a run's difference in my experience between XFIP and FIP, and usually when you see that, it's like it makes perfect sense. Yeah, that guy, I I could tell from his other numbers, he wasn't nearly as good as as the ERA suggested. So, no, I I think it's I think it's a very good shortcut stat, and um, I think it's much more predictive than ERA, much more predictive. I think the problem is for Paul, for everyone. There, you just—I'm sorry to use this cliche—you can't predict sports. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're going to be wrong no matter what we use. A lot of times, well, we're going to be right a lot, a lot of times. times. What happens is there's a skill change. Yeah. Like, and and okay, that that'll happen sometimes, and and sometimes, like I made the David Dahl, I used the David Dahl example earlier. Like there was enough right. evidence in his track record to, to suggest, okay, yeah, the BABIP is crazy high. But he's there's a good chance he'll start hitting more home runs. There's a good chance he'll start striking out less, and that'll help account for when the BABIP inevitably falls. And so sometimes you can see those skill changes coming, but sometimes you can't. And you you know it's just you have to you have to uh, you can't just ignore the evidence you're seeing. I mean you have to you have to um, follow through with that. And I think what I try to do on this show is. You know, I, I try to balance it out a little bit because Scott, Chris, and Heath, especially Creeth, are more uh, advanced stats inclined. I will try to give a little more context with like, I think I'm I'm more inclined to look at like, oh, he's had easy matchups lately, or he's not pitching, he's he's been terrible third time through the order, and we try to put it all together to paint a big picture and give you as much inter- information as possible, and hopefully that helps. Uh, but there's certainly going to be people that come out on different sides of the argument about how good these these advanced stats are, and I think. Another hesitation I have, Scott, is that the advanced stats, they continue to grow a little bit, get a little bit better. You know, we talk about advanced stats this year that we weren't talking about two or three years ago. StatCast has gotten a lot better. So I think we're still at the early stages of all these advanced stats, which gives me a little bit of pause. But, you know, they they are helpful. They are helpful. And the only thing I know for sure is that Scott is weird because here's the Twitter poll so far. It's not looking good for you. (laughs) <laughs> uh, is it acceptable to say BB instead of walks? A, yes, it's fine, or B, no, you're weird, and 80% say no, you're weird. I didn't say specifically Scott, but we all know who I'm talking about. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm weird. No, I I, so. I'm, you're probably right. I should stop doing that because it feels weird yeah. now that you pointed it out. All right, good. Mission accomplished. Today's sponsor is ZipRecruiter. If you are looking to hire somebody, get on ZipRecruiter.com slash strike and try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash strike. It is also a good website if you are looking for a job. ZipRecruiter.com slash strike, though, if you want to try it for free. And you'll hear more about ZipRecruiter right now. And then we'll come back and talk a lot more fantasy baseball here on FBT. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. News and notes. Hope you didn't start Max Scherzer this week. Let's see how, how started Max Scherzer is. Scott, can you look that up? What's his start percentage this week? He is not looking great to start on Sunday, Max Scherzer. Nick Senzel is day-to-day with a hamstring injury but likely to avoid the IL. Mike Trout returned and DH'd, and Albert Pujols left with a hamstring injury. Brendan, a lot of people are going with the Mr. Mackey pronunciation. Brendan MK is going to start tonight against the White Sox. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's not the first person ever named McKay ever, but that's... Uh... That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Do you have... Uh, it's not Max... an uncommon name, right? No, no, it's not. you have any uh, any start percentage here for Scherzer? How you doing with that? Uh, Yeah, almost there. Really? It's he tough. was started in 66% of leagues this week. That's a tough one. Kevin Gosman's going to start Sunday. Any interest? Uh. N- not in terms of actually using him in fantasy, though his last rehab start at AAA was dominant. Okay. Yeah, Kevin Gosman. We got to see it first. Philadelphia is looking into Zach Greinke, according to NBC Sports Philadelphia. Matt Chapman expects to play today. Ryan Barucki. We're up all night to Barucki. We'll start to, uh, this weekend, I believe, for the Blue Jays. He's 5% owned. Last year, Barucki had a 387 ERA. Very low strikeout rate, 132 whip. He's a big ground ball pitcher. I wonder what his ex-fip was. <laughs> Probably not very good. Uh, San Diego starting pitcher Garrett Richards. Yes, Garrett Richards is on San Diego. I did not know that or remember that until today, but he made a rehab start as he looks to return from Tommy John surgery. And then how about this? Rafael Devers has 28 RBIs against the Blue Jays this year. That is the most for any player against a single opponent since Gary Sheffield had 28 RBIs against the Orioles in 2015. Thank you, Associated Press. So if they have another game against the Blue Jays this year, Rafael Devers will have a chance to break that mark. Uh, Corey Seager and A.J. Pollock both sat for the second time in seven games since coming off the IL. Do you think that's just caution or something that we'll see going forward with Pollock and Seager sitting a little bit more than we'd like? I think it's a surplus of options there, which, I mean, I I don't know that I would have Enrique Hernandez in the mix as often as Dave Roberts has, but Enrique Hernandez homered twice yesterday, so yeah. maybe maybe Dave Roberts is a genius. And it was a righty on the mound that they were facing. Yeah. Even a lefty was Nola. And Yadier Molina's a long way from coming back. He won't have his thumb reevaluated at least for another three weeks. Some homer happy hitters. George Springer has homered four times in his last four games. Paul DeYoung, he's in this section because he finally homered his first home run since June 16th, and he was batting six, which is his lowest spot in the order this season. Uh, Jerickson Profar homered again. Hashtag light the fire. Did it light a fire <laughs> under him when uh, they started benching him for Barreto? We'll keep an eye on it. Eduardo Escobar almost homered again, but he was robbed of a home run by Lorenzo Cain. And Steven Strasburg homered. He homered and singled in the same inning. Steven Strasburg, first pitcher to homer and get another base hit in the same inning since Edwin Jackson in 2010. I am bringing the stats today, Scott. Yeah. All right. Yeah, those are some good stats. Okay, let's talk about yesterday a little bit more. These hitters, I couldn't fit them into another category, so here's these hitters. Scott, Austin Meadows has homered three times in his last four games. He has a nine-game hitting streak, but only ten hits in those nine games. Uh, A a good July, a terrible stretch before that. But um, Austin Meadows, is he back? I'm going to be reluctant to rate him as high as I had him before. He seems he's starting to develop a, a pattern of streakiness here, I feel like. Even looking at last year when he first came up with the Pirates, remember how hot he was? Yeah. And then he cooled off again, and then he went to the Rays and, and then spent time in the minors and got I think he got called up at the end of the year, right, and did well. Um yeah. I didn't do that well. But anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's it 
this is familiar the way things are playing out for Meadows. Uh, I see. I we look at a lot of advanced stats. I like mentioned this the other day with Scott. Scott likes uh, X Woba, which encompasses a lot of it. But hard hit rate and fly ball rate are good. Forty five point eight percent hard contact rate, forty two point five percent fly ball rate, a twenty five point two percent line drive rate. Those three things tell me he's a good hitter. And his numbers this season are really good, but it's just how is he going to go about accumulating those stats? Is it going to be really streaky? It looks like that's going to be the case for Meadows. Well, it's it's also, is he a top 25, top 30 outfielder or top 10, top 15 outfielder? Because early on, he was looking like 10, 15. I, I, don't think, I don't think he's that. Well, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top, let's say, 15, 20 outfielder, but the way he goes about it makes you pull your hair out, you know? Like, that's the way Justin Upton used to be. That's the way I think, like, Jay Bruce used to be. Uh, some guys are like that. We shall see. Mitch Garver, he's now started five of the last seven games. Mitch Garver has an OPS over 1,000. He has four home runs in his last seven games. Yeah, he has also started for the Twins uh, five of seven. <laughs> I just said that. Oh, you did? Yeah. Sorry. That's um, all right. I was looking up Austin Meadows and how many points he has because ah. it's not uh, it's not nearly what you think it is. Um, yeah, so uh, here's the thing about Mitch Garver. He has the most fantasy points per game at catcher by a long shot. He is well ahead of Gary Sanchez. I just wish he played more regularly because, I mean, Jason Castro is having a pretty good year too. I understand why the Twins are keeping him in the mix, but... You know, it's it's a little frustrating because I think Garver could be a fantasy stud if he played more often. Okay, that was these hitters. Here's these pitchers. Didn't quite fit them into some regular categories. So let's talk about Ross Stripling and Denelson Lamette. Stripling, five innings, two earned runs, five strikeouts. Denelson Lamette, four innings, one earned run, five strikeouts at Miami. Has not thrown more than 85 pitches yet. Um... They're 79% owned and 62% owned, respectively. Stripling and Denelson Lamette, how do you feel about them and their ownerships? I feel like both are pretty appropriate. I mean, Lamette, there are, there, there's some reason for enthusiasm there, and yet he hasn't really delivered a, a worthwhile start yet. I mean, I guess Stripling hasn't either, but I like the way the innings are ticking up for him. Two straight with five. Uh, probably going to see him go six occasionally soon. And uh, he should have a rotation spot for the foreseeable future with Rich Hill come, working his way back from a longer-term injury. I, I mean, I'm pretty interested in Ross Stripling. I, I, I think I might say he's a buy low. Because, yeah, he hasn't pitched more than five innings in these starts, but he's still striking out a lot of batters. I mean... This is two years in a row where he's just showing Ross Stripling is a good pitcher mm -hmm. as a starter or as a reliever. He's got more than a strikeout per inning. He has good ERA and whip. And I actually think, like, if you're in a Roto League and you pair him with Julio Arias, you know, he they now I thought they'd be piggybacking more often, but didn't happen this week. Julio Arias, by the way, if you listen to the very end of yesterday's show, I mentioned there was a reliever who had 22 and two-thirds consecutive scoreless innings, and he's the guy. But... I was hoping they'd piggyback us. If you if you started both of them, say, in a Roto League or something, you have a pretty good chance to get a win. And just good overall numbers. Uh, and yeah, Lamette, I don't know that he's, that he's going to pitch more than five innings very often, but stri strikeouts are going to be there. 19 Ks in 14 innings. Okay, more pitchers. Rotation part one, the studs. Chris Sale. Scott and I love Chris Sale. Okay, so we're not going to get into it. We just think he's great and... His ZRA is too high. He has 172 strikeouts, my goodness. Trevor Bauer. Yeah, Trevor Bauer really angered me when I saw him give up a two-run homer in the third inning. And then he, you know, pitched like four scoreless innings after that. He's, look, you can bitch all you want about Trevor Bauer. I've done plenty of it. He's the number eight pitcher in points, number 12 in Roto. Yep. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's, that's there you go. Like, I, I just get... Look, he he isn't as good as last year. That's fine, but I've heard from more than one person. It looks like Trevor Bowers reverted to who he was before last yeah, year, and that's not, not true, true at, not all. at all. He was not very good before last year. Yeah, well, but he was great second half of two thousand seventeen. Yes. 
That's fair. But the overall numbers weren't great for that year, and he didn't have a good year ever before that. Yeah. He's definitely having a good year here. To Cy say Young that, caliber, no. Right. But ace-like, yeah. To say that he's reverted to what he was before the second half of 2017 is ridiculous. Uh, but, I, I mean, here's the thing. If he gets traded, very possible— I think it's a bad thing because I don't know how many managers are going to let Trevor Bauer throw 120 pitches, 170. Like His pitch count the last five starts, 127, 107, 114, 117, 120. And as someone who's been following his starts very, very closely, he needs that because he seems to be getting better as the game gets later. And it, he racks up those strikeouts. He racks up those innings. And, it, you know, it's saving him, I think. Uh yeah, it's probably a moot point, Adam. I don't see him getting traded. You don't think so? Things could change, I guess, in 12 days. But the Indians lead the wild card race. They're four games behind the Twins. Uh, you know, I I suppose there's still an argument to be made. They trade him for a stud bat that they think can help them win now, and and maybe a couple future assets too, and just you know, kind of have their cake and eat it too that way. But I think it's very unlikely. His best innings in terms of ERA are the sixth and the seventh, um, and then the eighth inning he's thrown three and two thirds scoreless. So he's seen, yeah, he's a guy who gets better at least this year as the game goes on. Uh, what do you think of uh, Noah Syndergaard? Uh, the good Noah Syndergaard, and then the the kind of bad Charlie Morton, Aaron Nola, and even Steven Strasburg didn't have a great start. Uh, but no, Morton's a top five pitcher. Strasburg's a top seven pitcher. But let's start with Syndergaard. It's two really good starts in a row. Yeah, Seven innings, uh, I think, combined uh, three earned runs. They have been at Miami and at San Francisco. Granted, both those teams are playing better, particularly the Giants. Um, you know, what do you think? What do you think about Syndergaard? I think he's back. Uh, I think we figured out what the missing ingredient was all year, and it was his slider. He said in his previous start, which was great, that uh, it's the slider's the best it was it, it's been all year. I think the season high for swinging strikes on the slider was four, and in that start it was seven. In this start it was nine. So slider's back. I think Thor's back. Okay, cool. Uh, anything to say on Morton, Nola, or Strasburg? Anything that concerns you from yesterday's outings? Well, Nola, one thing that concerns me for him is, you know, he's he's had this turnaround. The BBs. Um, are up <laughs> the BBs? Yes. Yeah. Remember Butterfinger BBs? Oh gosh. Yes. So they, this is what, you know. Small. Bart Simpson was the spokesperson. That's what I'm thinking of now. Small terrible candies. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Uh, yeah, there have been. There's a stretch of three walks or more here for Nola, and that seems out of character. But overall, I think he's on the right track. I'm not that worried about him. Nola, okay. And, uh, yeah, Morton just had a bad inning and kind of got maybe a little unlucky in that. Eh, nah, I wouldn't say that, but bad inning for Morton. Okay, when we come back, Domingo Armand, Kyle Gibson, Madison Bumgarner, Yanni Chirinos, Caleb Smith, they're all owned in a bunch of leagues. They're basically universally owned. Should they be? What are we seeing from these guys? And we got the drop-o-meter in the most added list, some two-start pitcher advice, and hopefully your emails will be right back on Fantasy Baseball today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we'd go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, 
nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. More aces from yesterday. Domingo Armand. So, yeah, like in my opinion, he's had two tough opponents this season. He had a good start at the Twins or against the Twins, and then he got roughed up by the Red Sox, and that was in his three-start stretch when Armand was pitching with a hip injury. Those two teams and the Angels, who are 11th in runs per game, are the only three teams that Domingo Armand has faced all year that are currently in the top half of baseball in runs per game. It has just been... Blue Jays, Orioles, Tigers, Indians, Mets, uh, Giants, I think. So, yeah, uh, are you as interested as I am in his starts next week at the Twins and Red Sox? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Sure, I would absolutely start him, but with some trepidation. Oh yeah, no, you're you're starting Armand. I mean, I think he's pretty good. He gave up he gave up two home runs to the first batters he faced. He gave up home run to each of the first two batters he faced yesterday, and then he ended up going six innings, gave up two runs on four hits, turned it around. All right, Scott, Kyle Gibson, Madison Bumgarner, Yanni Chirinos, Caleb Smith. How many of them are must starts? Gibson, Bumgarner, Chirinos, and Caleb Smith. I think zero are must starts across the board, but. It's rare that I'm sitting any of them, including Gibson, who had kind of a weird month leading up to this start where um, he wor- I think he worked on short rest one day. He was used in relief of an extra inning game. Like there, there were there were a few weird outings there with low inning number of innings. Uh, so we kind of forgot how good it could be when he's just making a start and uh you know, he misses a lot of bats with his slider. He can go deep into games. Good offense backing him. 9-4 and four record. I think he's pretty hard to sit most of the time. But Bumgarner, like, this is what I hoped to see from Bumgarner. Uh, he's, Bumgarner's really an interesting, an interesting case to me because obviously you have the, the, the trade possibility hanging over him i think a trade likelihood seeing his he's a free agent in the offseason yeah but his numbers are great in san francisco so what is leaving that park going to do for him uh i i think it's going to be a great thing for him because obviously you're going to get more win potential elsewhere and i just think he's trending the right direction in terms of skills his velocity is back up this year to where it was before the motorbike accident or dirt bike accident, whatever it was. And um, and the swinging strikes have been rising over the course of this season. I, I think it's really interesting. I think maybe, maybe he's having a minor resurgence here. Yeah, Bumgarner has a strikeout per inning, only 26 walks and 125 and two-thirds. So that kind of control is going to obviously help wherever he ends up. His ERA is a lot better at home, 330 versus 410. His best start, his best stretch has been recently, and the, the issue here is that two of his last eight starts have been on the road. So he's just had a ton of home games lately. Is that why he's pitching better? I don't know. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah, we'll see. You're right. He is an interesting case. He is an interesting case. All right. Thank you for your thoughts on those guys. And, You're welcome. Yeah. That's what I'm here to do. Guys that have been good, but we're not really sure if they're good. Do you think these guys are good? <laughs> That's the question. Mike yeah. Fires, Wade Miley, Zach Davies, Merrill Kelly, Dakota Hudson. By the way, I think Merrill Kelly and Dakota Hudson are like the same person. Like they no, it, they feel like Dakota Hudson is uh, is a lot more of a ground ball pitcher than Kelly, right? Yeah, they're they're pretty different. Come on, I I mean their what? ERAs Kelly's are similar. Kelly's an elite. Uh... Control guy, it's looking like, and Hudson is far from it. Hudson's whip, Hudson's whip is one fifty one. Yeah, and I mean that's because he is arguably the most extreme ground ball pitcher in baseball, if I recall. Yes, but it's no, that's... hard to get anything more than ERA out of him. But he does have nine wins. 
yeah, he's going to give up a lot of hits by nature of the kind of pitcher he is. And it's going to be disproportionate, the ERA and whip. Uh, there, there aren't as many pitchers like this around the majors today, so we're not as used to seeing it. I, I think he's useful, but more in a points league context because that whip is going to destroy you. All right, so who's uh, good? Fires, Miley, Davies, Kelly, Hudson. I think Miley and Kelly are good enough to roster and start whenever they have favorable matchups to start weeks. Uh, the yeah, others... That would be I'm, Kelly next week, Baltimore. Yes, yes. The others I am... I'm not... I mean, again, Dakota Hudson can be useful in a points league, but that's as far as I'd go with that. And Fires and Davies, I just think... I mean, Fires especially. I think Fires is the worst of these pitchers. Yeah, it's amazing how how fortunate he seems to be this year, Mike Fires. He's at Houston and home against the Rangers next week. Like, he should get crushed twice, but he, you know. Hasn't been happening. Has not been happening. But this is going to turn. It always turns, Adam. Yeah. Always catches up to the guy. It may not happen this year. (laughs) It'll It'll probably happen this year, but if it doesn't, it'll happen next year. Wade Miley, I was more excited about because the strikeouts had been way up since like the first month of the season. Like he basically was like a strikeout per inning pitcher. Last four starts for Wade Miley, the strikeouts are down. Uh, 16 strikeouts in 24 innings. I can understand yesterday, the Angels, he only struck out uh, three Angels. They are the lowest strikeout team in baseball on a per-game basis. Can't really understand Seattle, four starts ago, only had two strikeouts. They're a high-K team, but it's something to track, you know, he had not been a strikeout pitcher until the Astros worked their magic on him. And in the bullpen, Andrew Miller got a save. Carlos Martinez pitched two straight days. Uh, not very well, but I don't think there's anything more to just arrest there. And Hector Neris got a save, shouted a curse word at the Dodgers, and he also gave up a home run as he continues yeah. to be terrible. <laughs> I'm shouting curse words at him. Yeah. All those home runs, four in his past five appearances. Closer can't get away with that. Uh, the saving grace is the Phillies don't have anyone else who can close. Uh, so he's probably going to stick there, but I would I would try to I would try to figure out something else if uh, I was counting on him as my second closer, which is more you know it's more likely you can find somebody out there in a head-to-head league than a roto league, but I, I'd be looking. Where the heck is Tommy Hunter? Why hasn't he pitched since the thirteenth? He's been injured. Oh, oh, he's on the IL again? Jeez. He has made five appearances and has not given up a run this season. But now he's on the IL with a forearm strain. I did not catch that. Now Robertson could be back soon. Yeah, you know, it's a shame because, Scott, I I thought Neris was going to be sort of like... I was all in on him. I thought he claimed... He did claim the job. There's no question. And he had been pitching really well. This has been a dreadful stretch. Okay, let's talk ads and drops. Let's start with the most added list on CBSSports.com. To pull up the roster trends here. Let's take a guess. Who do you think the most added player is? The most added player is... I'm going to say Garrett Cooper. No, it's a good guess. But he is more or less nowhere to be found, which means he's he's under-owned. Yeah, he is. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I was only looking at free agents. Garrett Cooper uh, is like eighth. Well, Daniel Ponce de Leon is still the number one most added player. He is a two-star pitcher next week. Alex Young is number two. We're not really believing in him, right? He's 48% owned. Diamondbacks pitcher Alex Young. I am not believing in him, though I am I am curious. He's He's an interesting fella. Because the numbers were terrible at AAA, and he just he he goes about attacking hitters in a weird way. His fastball is kind of a secondary pitch. I I think just based on his AAA numbers that he's he's not going to have success with that approach for long. But uh, it's it's unconventional. Travis Darno is next on the most added list. Darno, thanks. I guess I two two catcher leagues I could see him being usable, but he he just doesn't play enough. Nate Lowe is next. 
Mm-hmm. Nate Lowe, uh, he sat a couple of games. He did against left-handers. Started both games of the doubleheader yesterday. Had three hits, including two doubles and one. And the overall numbers are looking pretty good. Uh, does seem like there could be a playing time issue there, but if he continues to perform, I imagine he'll put that issue to rest. And I think last time I talked about Lowe, I I uh, pointed out that his AAA numbers this year weren't very good. They got a lot better, apparently. Uh, I guess he, I guess he got hot because he ended up with an OPS over 900 there. And yeah, I mean, obviously you have to take AAA numbers with a grain of salt because of the juice ball there this year. But nonetheless, um, his June and July at AAA were awesome. Okay, so there's three hitters that are up in the top. Well, uh, four. Why don't you rank these four hitters? They're in the top eight on the most added list. Nate Lowe, Tyler O'Neill, Matt Brasso, third baseman for the Rays, and Garrett Cooper. I will go Cooper, Lowe, Brasso, and O'Neill. But there's some interest in all of them. I'm not writing any of them off. I think O'Neill's, it's going to be hard for him to be useful in a points league. But uh, five outfielder. You know, categories, leagues, he could be, he could make a splash with the home runs for sure. How about Danny Santana, now 46% owned? Yeah, I saw an interesting note from him yesterday, let off the waiver wire column with him. He's working out at third base as Drupal Cabrera has been terrible. Uh, and Chris Woodward, the Rangers manager, said he's one of the best hitters in baseball right now. He's got to find a way to get him in the lineup. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, he's not as good as he's been been but he it there there's you know it it looks like he should be a decent source of batting average with some power and he runs i mean it looks like he could be a five category contributor so um i don't know that he's an across the board ad but if we were ranking all of these players the only one i'd put ahead of him is garrett cooper yeah danny santana and if he if he gets work at third base and he makes five appearances there he he not only does he have five tools he'll have five positions of eligibility Quintuple eligibility. Remember when triple eligibility used to be like a huge deal in fantasy? Like that's we talk about the home runs and how the offensive environment has changed, but that's something that's changed too. Is just how versatile everybody is. Yep, it's it's definitely made a big impact on fantasy. Now, uh, when I used to do the position previews back in the day, I don't know, like seven eight years ago, I remember one of the first things I would put was who was dual eligible. Like that was a big deal. Yeah, and yeah. now I wouldn't even think twice. It's, uh, by by the end of the by the mid season, a lot of them are going to be dual or triple eligible. Other guys here on the most added list: Ramon Laureano. You got to keep adding him. He's eighty one percent owned. I would not be buying into Jeff Samarja at forty seven percent owned. I wonder if he's a two star pitcher. No, he's not. He's pitching tomorrow against the Mets, then at San Diego. Uh, but Michael Pineda at 76% on, I know that's pretty high, but still maybe you can make a case Pineda should be up in the 80s. Yeah, he's been doing a lot better since coming back from the IL, uh, throwing harder, having more success with the changeup. Danny Salazar, 42% owned. You know, that that could be inflated because people have IL spots. What are your expectations for Salazar? Low. I did a top 30 IL stashes. Earlier this week, and obviously some of the names have come off, some new ones have gone on since then, but Salazar was not among the 30 names. Just couldn't. He was probably 31st, but, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not saying much. How about Andres Munoz? This guy was, he's a reliever for the Padres, and he's been promoted, and now he is 10%. Uh, owned and according to this update, he is the best relief pitching prospect in the majors. He can touch 100. Uh, I'm just ignorant on this. 104 yeah. mile per hour fastball. So far, so awesome. Four and a. Th- I okay. I need to get Andres Munoz. He's got se- six strikeouts in four and a third. And Yates is obviously on the block. I don't know if they turn over closer duties to him. They have other guys. But I, yeah, Andres Munoz for the Padres. It would be interesting who they turn closing duties over to because, you know, Craig Stammen is probably the most logical candidate, but it, it could be this guy. I mean, he's there definitely seems to be some buzz surrounding Munoz. I am a little skeptical they trade Yates, but they could. 
Okay. All right, that's the most added list. Time now for the drop-o-meter. Zero to ten. How droppable are these guys? Zero is do not do not drop them, you idiot. Ten is drop them right now. Fran Mil Reyes, 75% owned. It just depends on the format. You could totally drop him in three outfielder points league, five out or roto. It'd be no way. No way you'd drop him because he's providing too many home runs. Okay, so we're going to say a five then for Fran Mil Reyes. Sure. Kevin Biggio, he is... Let's see, he was he's four for his last forty four with no extra base hits. Yikes, Kevin Biggio. Yeah. Um he's probably a uh also a five. You know, it just depends on how badly you need a second baseman, uh what your depth looks like. I, I still think there's a lot to like there. Okay. On Kevin Biggio. Uh Michael Chavis, seventy eight percent owned. And he had played exclusively first base since June 4th until playing second base yesterday with Brock Holt sitting. But I still maintain that Mitch Moreland could could bump Chavis out of the lineup. Uh, so, Michael Chavis on the drop-o-meter, 0-10. Well, I'd rather have Biggio, so I guess I'm going to have to go with like a 6 or 7 here. Maybe a 7. His his strikeout percentage is 33.3%, which is getting up to Joey Gallo territory. Scooter Jeanette, 80% owned, 0 to 10. He's batting 147 with one walk to 10 strikeouts in 11 games. Four. See, I feel like, you know, a guy like Jeanette, the way baseball is right now, infield's so deep. Um, you know, do you have to own him? No, but Jeanette and I would say Didi Gregorius, who's already coming out of it a little bit, mm-hmm. but they're gonna be better. There's no reason why they wouldn't be better, especially Didi. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I agree. There's too much of a track record. I mean, Jeanette's last two years, he was a top five second baseman, right? Last year, was top five. The year before yeah, that, he was like top from the, 12, from the point but... he became a full timer two years ago, he was also. Yeah. yeah. Um, I only have him 17th in my rest of season rankings because Jeff McNeil obviously has become what he is. Lourdes Gurriel, obviously. Daniel Murphy's come around. Keston Hira, have you seen what he's been doing lately? Number one second baseman since his promotion. Yeah. So Jeanette's gotten pushed all the way down for 17th. To 17th for me, and I still think he's probably going to be good, but um, uh, there's there's no reason to take him over some of these others, which means I guess I could see him getting dropped in shallower leagues. Okay, yeah, I, mean, I agree with that. And finally, David Fletcher is 58% owned. I just wanted to talk about him. I mean, I feel like we need to talk about guys like this sometimes. David Fletcher, uh, still only 30 strikeouts in 91 games. He's leading off for the Angels. But he's having a uh, well, he's having a bounce back July after a miserable June. So, let me instead of saying the dropometer, how owned do you think David Fletcher should be? I don't know what he is. I would guess. 50, oh, I just saw what he is. I was gonna say about sixty, and he's fifty-eight. So I think it's probably right. It's like his skill set is better attuned for points leagues. And yet, points leagues are the ones with the smaller rosters, so it makes him it makes him a difficult fit. Okay, Scott, team scam, head to head categories. We need to pick up Andres Munoz. I'd say. Okay, let's drop Willie Calhoun. You cool with that? I am. Yeah, he doesn't have a job, so I am cool with that. Okay, we got Andres Munoz. We are going to win the league now. All right, uh, two star pitchers. Let's take a look uh, at the list again. And see if there's any tough calls here. I know Colorado is on the road all week, so that means we don't have to worry about guys going to Coors Field. Mm, yeah, no, start him, start him, start him. Mike Fires at Houston, home against Texas. I don't want to start him. Uh, I, I'm afraid to say don't start him, but I don't want to start him. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, how about John Gray? John Gray at Washington and at Cincinnati. I would definitely start him. Dallas Keuchel, Kansas City and at Philadelphia. Yep. Wade Miley, Oakland and at St. Louis. I might not in categories league, but I probably would. 
I really think this is a pretty self-explanatory list this week, but like Dakota Hudson at Pittsburgh and home against Houston. Only in a points league. Marco Gonzalez is 80% owned. He's got the Rangers at home and Detroit at home. So Marco Mm. Gonzalez, 80% owned, Rangers in Detroit. Only in a points league. Yeah, that's a risky one. Now, the Rangers aren't quite as good against lefties, but that's pretty risky. Chris Archer, St. Louis, and at the Mets? Yes, I think across the board. Martin Perez, Yankees, and at the White Sox? Uh, you could... He might qualify. He might qualify, I guess, as a mild sleeper, but I'd rather not start okay. him if I if I had good enough pitching that I didn't have to turn to a sleeper. CC Sabathia, Daniel Ponce de Leon, Chase Anderson, anyone there? Like I said, I think you could make a case for Sabathia, just how well he's been pitching lately, but it's not it's not an enthusiastic case. Okay. And then we have Homer Bailey, Danny Duffy. Neither of those guys have good matchups. Bailey has terrible matchups. Trevor Richards, Spencer Turnbull, Jason Vargas. Now, that's an interesting one. San Diego and Pittsburgh for Vargas. No, I can't I can't do it. No. Uh and plus he might get traded. Yeah, that's it, Scott. That's all I got. Nobody. Don't start these guys. Don't do it. Don't do it, people. Emails, fantasybaseball at cbase.com. Let's end the show. From from Jake from State Farm. Oh, I know him. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, Joe, Billy, and Casey. Ooh, I know them. Yankees managers. Okay. How do you guys go about evaluating starting pitcher versus relief pitcher in a head-to-head categories league? I was offered Will Smith for Sonny Gray, but I'm not sure the best way to compare them. I already have Kimbrell and Ian Kennedy plus a strong staff of Ryu, Bieber, Bauer, Kershaw, Soroka, Flaherty, and MK. I mean, if you have three closers already... Two. Uh, he he has, only has two. He only has two. He has two, and one of them could get traded in Kennedy. Unfortunately, Will Smith is definitely going to get traded. And it looks like a strong starting pitcher group. Yeah, you know, I I don't know when your league's trade deadline is, but I don't think I could trade for Will Smith right now. Um, especially with the way Sonny Gray's trending, because he right. could just wind up in a situation where he's not a closer. Anymore. But I, but in, if you're just asking about SP versus RP, in your yeah. case, you have a strong pitching staff. I wouldn't mind yeah. trading Gray for a closer that you know is going to be closing. Yeah, I mean, if if you needed a third one, I think if I already had three, I'd I'd rather hold on to the starting pitcher. He's got two um, closers because Ian Kennedy is. He's not that good to begin with, and well, he's not going to get that many saves to begin with, and I think he's going to get moved. Probably, and there's, I think it's very likely he wouldn't be a closer where he, wherever he landed. Maybe if he went to like Atlanta, he would, but probably not. Okay, Dave and Burbank, what do we do with Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Um, it's ugly. I mean, in a shallower league, I guess you could bench him and. You know, obviously, you'd have to have a good third base alternative. You could maybe bench him, and but I, I, like I said, coming out of the break, I think I think he's in for a big finish here, and I would want to hold on to him. Uh, Adam from Toronto, would you make any of these trades? He'd be giving up Josh Bell and Chris Paddock. So, would you give up Josh Bell and Chris Paddock for Gallo and Paxton? Yeah, I think just to avoid the Paddock situation or, later, that seems fine. Or Pete Alonzo or Reese Hoskins in Paxton. Any of them seem fine. If it's a categories league, I would uh, lean more toward Gallo, followed by Alonzo and then Hoskins. Josh Bell and Paddock for Goldschmidt and Castillo. Would you do that? No. Um. Well, mm. I might. <laughs> I guess it depends how much I needed pitching because yeah. everybody needs pitching, and you're clearly getting the best pitcher there. Scott, I have verbally agreed to acquire Shane Bieber for Fernando Tatis. I feel like you'll be happy about that. Took weeks, yeah, that's but great. We're finally doing it. Yeah. Unless somebody gets injured this weekend. Last email from Ryan. Grade the trade in a 14-team categories league. My Benintendi for Zach Wheeler. 
I think that is a, it's a categories league. Um, it's probably a C. Listen, I mean, Ben Intendi really hasn't offered much. I'm fine. Like, if he weren't on the IL, and they keep downplaying it, but I can't trade for an injured pitcher. I just can't do it. Not after what I, we've I seen. I just don't know what Ben Intendi's providing for you, and I well, don't have a, a lot of enthusiasm. He's going to turn it around, and it's so hard to get a quality starting pitcher if. If we believe Wheeler's that, and certainly the innings and strikeouts suggest so, I, I think it's a good opportunity to buy him. I, it, yeah, there's some risk, but I'm not sure you're giving up something you're going to miss that much in this case. And we're out of here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, have a great, great weekend. Have a great Kokomo Friday. Scott and I will talk to you on Monday on Fantasy Baseball Today. See you later.